In this 169th episode, recorded July 2019, entitled Train, Race and Joy, but don't be complacent, it's a privilege. We have questions on peak power output ramp testing, testosterone, blood profiling, a not sure question, which we'll come to later, part two of not sure question, also, saving your season, T-values, spending your £100, and training. How does that sound, Martin? Sounds awesome. Welcome to our multi-sport podcast for triathletes, duathletes, sportive riders, road racers, time trialists, runners, mountain bikers and fitness enthusiasts, now in its 14th year of publishing. Whatever your distance and whatever your event, this podcast aims to make you smarter and faster. We are supported by Nopins, suppliers of club, custom and aero cycling apparel. Visit nopins.com. Also supported by and sat in southforkracing.co.uk. For all your biking needs, whether mountain bike, tri, gravel, sporty, cyclocross, time trial, e-bikes, all of it. Visit southforkracing.co.uk. And also supported by Fourth Edge Blood Profiling to test, track and optimise your diet, training and recovery. Music. I'm Coach Dubir and I'm joined once again by Martin Crocker, VIP of SFR. Hi. Hi Joseph. We've done a mighty big warm-up for we this have. podcast. We are ready. In this 169th episode. So welcome listeners. Welcome, welcome. So it's been a while because we had a little bit of a... Oh, just had a little bit of a break. We were getting things together. Since we last did the last one, if I got my notes right, we had the the 202 at at London, didn't we? That's right, yes. Because that was was a while back when we did the last one. Um, The second fastest person in that race was still sub 203, which is, I think... The, it was the fastest three finishes of a marathon ever, which seems good, like ages ago anyway. Good times, yeah. Um, and it was the fastest female on their own kind of, you know, women-only race as well. Because um, I think the Paula Radcliffe one, there was paces, wasn't there? Or there was, it, was, it was within the men's race or something like that. Anyway, that seems like ages and ages and ages ago. Because now we're in Tour de France time. Pretty much. We are first week in, aren't we've we? Had the, we've had the Giro. We've had amazing races at places like Frankfurt, Lanzarote. I'm talking Ironman races. We've had the uh, the not very good bad weather affected Ironman Ireland, where it was a bike run, or I should say it was a cold bike and a cold run. And we've had lots of other things that have um, that have gone on. But what did strike me, and this only came up a few days ago that I saw, but it was it was actually back at the Giro, and this was a pro athlete Chris Hamilton who put out some of his numbers and it's quite quite staggering really and he says calories consumed and I assume this is over the whole I'm guessing 21-ish days for the for the zero 
134,044. <laughs> Bars and gels, 126. Uh, kilometres covered, 3,774.3. Uh, hours in the saddle, 100 hours and 39 minutes. Metres climbed, 48,893. Time spent above threshold, 10 hours. About 10% of the whole race, okay? Total TSS, for those that want to know it, was 4,686. Training stress score, is that? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. training stress score. But I just, when you get those things and you think, 134,000, but you think, you know, it is 21 days, but how much they are doing and how much they therefore eat. And the very fact that over that period, there were 126 bars and gels combined. I mean, so, so I guess this is calorie consumed whilst riding. Well, they might even, I mean, I don't know, we'd have to work that out, but yeah, that may yeah. well be that that also includes, you know, an approximation of the... Um, because there may well be, you know, for some of the riders, they'll track it really concisely because they don't want them to under-recover, but also they don't want them to put on weight. So even in a, a situation where most of us, you know, put a few decent training rides together and you just eat anything that somebody puts in front of you because you're so, you know, tired and want to fuel up, they'll still have quite regimented dietary intake. But the thing is... Um, they're used to that sort of thing in training blocks anyway, where they would still have quite a big training block, but still, look, you're only allowed this much. You don't have, you know, it might look like it's a free-for-all, but you can't eat as much as you want. But I just thought it was a really interesting facts yeah, to, to even put that together and think, blimey, that's, that's staggering. But then if it's 21 days and it's roughly 130,000, then, yeah, it's about 6,000, 6-something thousand calories per day. And also, I suppose, their, their main achievement with that is obviously to finish with a little bit of uh, a little bit of energy in the locker but also not to overeat not to undereat and to recover yeah. properly yeah. Well, it? yeah so yeah so uh da -da 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 -da. looking at our our ratings our reviews our feedback thank you everyone for your uh your i just look at itunes i'm sure they're somewhere else <clears throat> but your little reviews were up to 81 ratings 73 of them are five stars so thank you very much for that the most recent one was from uh it was from da -da 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 -da, arsenal rule 101 <laughs> and it said great information from the guys every week though we only do it about averages out about once every six weeks to be fair uh, even if they do go into the minute i can't even say that word yeah, minute a bit too often. More regular podcasts would be great, please. Okay. We'd, try, we'd like to, but that's not always. But I think the most recent that I could find was from Rich Dawson. And this one actually said, lots of really useful information. Uh, always valuable data from a reliable coaching expert. They must be talking about you then. Um, listen and learn. There we go. People. Listen and learn, people. Listen and learn. Uh feedback feedback yeah there was a bit there's a bit of feedback and this feedback links in with with um something else that's going on um i know we sometimes yeah we probably do harp on about base training and doing the training right but if some people listen it's remarkably free coaching for somebody to tell you the right thing to go quicker and you sometimes have to reiterate it for somebody to get it and i think a classic was this week or might have even been late last week a client sends me a text and says, 13 beats lower 
than this time last year at 200 watts. So however you look at that, it's 13 beats lower heart rate for exactly the same work rate. This person knows they're fit, but they can put it into a really tangible sort of data point to say they're 13 beats lower. Um, but this was, this was actually a, what was this? I'm trying to think, you get through so many streams. I think this probably came through Messenger or something. Um, and it was from Vicky Gill, who used to live here in, uh, in North Devon. And uh, I coached her for probably, I'm going to say three, might have been four years. And she just sort of said, hiya, total advocate of the 80% Z1 rule, by the way. Anything other than that is unsustainable. To make it more relatable for athletes riding to power, which power zones does heart rate one, two, and three correspond to? Um, I do the majority of my riding in power Z2, which is up to about 120 beats per minute. So it would be heart rate zone one. You following me? Yeah. Right. I just think the riding Z1 mantra might be confusing for some people if they are not training solely to heart rate. And I kind of get that. Um, thanks for answering my question, Joe. Um, food for thought around what need, uh, around need for food or not post a ride. A good tip, uh, seeing a physio for sports massage to work out where any problems are. Hopefully others found it useful too. Question mark. Um, question mark thumbs up and as an aside to that last weekend uh vicky won the national 100 good athlete good athlete solid 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 athlete but her thing about and it was kind of like a hello and a a question as well was the um the where does the zone one two and three in heart rate terms relate to power and i think put simply your zone one train is probably going to be somewhere between about 40 percent and 55 percent of peak power that should keep you in zone one but lots of times if you're in base mode you don't necessarily and plenty of people don't ride on power so they're staying within a heart rate level but they don't need power not, not everyone's got power on the bike um, if you're running yes there are power meters like the stride out there but most people are running to heart rate but if you are working to power when you get to zone two you are most likely going to be at a power level of most likely 65 to 75 percent okay that will put you in in zone two and if you're above threshold you'll be 80 percent and upwards so 80 percent up to 100 percent now it differs with power because obviously you can spurt out a really high level you know 800 watts but your ramp test might only be 300 and people are like well how can i put that out that's just an anaerobic effort it's only eight seconds you get very little increase in heart rate and therefore it doesn't directly show that the work in equals, if you like, a sustainable heart rate out. So you get these little blips, which is why if you give somebody, right, I want you to do eight lots of eight second efforts, they've got to be well within zone one because there's likely to be about a 10 beat shift if you do an acceleration. You've still made, um, you've made work if you like you've done something and that oxygen is paid back with your heart rate that follows after it so and I think Vicky's trying to sort of say she's trying to say something like you know how, how do you how do you work to power if you're using heart rate and well yeah. you'll still have the same numbers I find with some people if they stay 
at 60% of peak power, they can just about squeeze in zone one when they're at their fittest. Some people, they get to 50% and they're already starting to go out their zone one. So it, this, it's not a direct correlation. The fitter you get, the further up that goes, but it's unlikely to be over 60% heart rate um, and, and you can stay in zone one. Most people, it's about 55% of heart rate and you can stay in zone one and sustain it. And actually, when you're, when you're pedaling, you don't always have the opportunity to keep on a power. You may be keeping the heart rate up, but the power may be fluctuating as your effort goes into balancing the bike and braking and thinking and stuff. Yeah? That, I mean, that's the thing also, I think, is with people's availability of information etc etc you've got people trying to tie up the heart rate monitor with the with the power meter and go well look you know should i be running a power should i be running a heart rate but the the good correlation and correct me if i'm wrong joe is um you can normally tell when something's going wrong or an illness comes on because you're looking at your power going why is my heart rate quite a bit higher than it normally needs to be or or it is normally at this particular power you go couple beats out you know are you are you a little bit hotter you know is illness coming on so actually it's, it's almost a good measure for for your overall fitness as well I should, and that's I where the think. ramp test comes in actually and i skipped past it and i was i was going to talk about it and thought no and thought yes there's a, a ramp test that was in it was in a magazine i think it's still going called inside triathlon that was it was produced by the people that make competitor magazine it's quite a famous magazine and the West Coast of America kind of does everything from ultra running to mountain biking to race across America, the whole works. And it's a ramp test that I did with an athlete I was working with in the early 90s. And we sort of published, like, this is the benchmark and we can see when, when he's getting fitter because his, uh, his numbers at, uh, it was like at 300 watts dropped so that eventually 300 watts was about like 125 beats. Um, that chap's still now getting in his 40s getting close to breaking nine hours so he's still a really good unit but it was the fact that using back then a computrainer which was very early days of power measurement maybe it wasn't you know super accurate but it was still a measure that was consistent that's one of the ways like you say to just look at power look at heart rate and then be able to guess well for that workload even if it's different to you know some people's 200 watts is the best i'll do for 10 for 10 miles other people's 200 watts is what they do for a six-hour ride at steady state. So there's obviously different numbers that people quote, but it's your personal level. And if you do a stepwise test, you start 100 watts, three minutes, 125, three minutes, 153 minutes, you get this heart rate versus power. And like you say, when you're not well, you can see it in the data. And then straight away, you don't, you don't need anything special. You've got your own little lab. It's just okay some power systems are maybe a little bit dodgy. Some of the systems that infer it by doing sort of calculations that aren't really measurements, they're just, you know, some of the indoor systems are making assumptions that they might be a little bit fluctuating such that you don't pick up stuff quite so quickly. And sometimes you get better data only because the system isn't measuring the power properly. But so. do you, do, as, as a coach, <coughs> excuse me, have you found um, maybe a bit more of an issue with people... Uh, relying on power meters, heart rate monitors, etc., rather than going on feel, because you know I, I find having done a bit of sport for a while now that the 
you don't ever lose that when when I first you know when I first started there was you know a very very basic heart rate monitor and that was your lot and you just kind of you raced quite a bit on on feel rather than yeah. you know rather than taking notice of these actual figures do you find as a coach now that you're finding there's less and less people less and less of your clients now that have this equipment are now maybe not so able or not so reliant on that feel that feeling and do you think it's an essential part of of being an athlete yeah as I, think well. it, I think it depends on what what type of athlete the person is because if you've got a sense of feel you don't even need a power meter to be in a certain gear or to start running and know whether you're on it or not and sometimes you're a bit rusty and that you start to improve or sometimes it isn't in there that day and you have to adjust and i always sort of say to people particularly if they're using say power for you know for longer distances you don't want always power to be restricting what you do if you want to find out how fast can i go up this hill but power often gives you a pretty good measure of whether you're doing things efficiently whether you're going too fast and blowing up and it looks like a great effort at the top of the hill but you've blown three quarters of the way up so you're actually slower and especially with the ironman athletes or the very long distance time trials if you get that pace right you still outperform somebody that, you know, particularly they sit there and I had a, a guy the other day sort of said, yeah, I was in the race and I couldn't believe it. People coming charging by and I looked at the power and went, I can't go any harder or I'm not going to be able to run well. And he said everybody that went by him that he could notice and clock, he ended up coming past them. If not quite soon after, within minutes, went back past on the flat because he's holding a consistent power. They've now slowed down because they've just done their big effort to get up a hill. Or he's real people in that he's, he's known or he's been conscious of very early on in the run and sort of thought, well, what was the point of that? They're doing these surges. So I think a power meter only really shows how much the person is in touch with their body. Because you can sometimes try to convince yourself, no, no, I'm sure I can do more today. No, you've tapered. This is, you know, if this is a very long exercise and particularly when we're thinking about in in triathlons and you've still got the run to come even if you did undercook it by 10 watts don't worry that's made very little difference to your actual speed two three four minutes off an Ironman that's 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 irrelevant when you might have done five hours or six hours at another 10 or 15 watts that's going to damage your legs which means your explanation of why your run split didn't go well has nothing to do with your run training your weight your fueling it all was to do with you not sticking to the plan on your bike and eventually we know what number you can do on the bike it doesn't just go up and up and up and up you know there's a point of diminishing returns where somebody can chase a fast time or want to be able to go under you know six hours or five hours whatever it is but if that is to the detriment of your run, then forget about doing triathlon. Just go into time trial and see how much you can squeeze out of the bike and then not have to run afterwards. And I think some people inherently have got that feel because they were able to do it years ago when there were no power meters and they could just feel and regulate their fueling and stuff. And other people just don't, they don't have a clue as to what's going to happen in two hours and four hours. And I suppose as you train, you get better at feeling that. But I still don't think it solves the problem of people sometimes not wanting to believe the numbers. Or, you know, my probably most regularly asked question is, yeah, but could, could I possibly bump up my power on the bike? And I'm like, buy stuff to make your drag lower. Don't try and push that power up ever higher because then we'll just be affecting the run, which is pointless. If we can bring the drag down, A, you'll get more speed from the bike. B, you'll be because I'll tell them which things make a difference, you won't be wasting your money. And also, you'll still be able to run as fast as you want to, 
assuming everything goes well. So to drop drag is the way to go faster. And that's again with the TT and going back to Vicky, you know, she's really honed her positioning. She's got an awesome bike setup. Everything is, is good for going fast. Nobody can waste watts, whoever they are. Marcin B. Blocky, who won the National 100 in what, 334. Wow. You know, you look at his position and it's just absolutely awesome. Everything down to even like, you know, one, one bar end is shorter than the other. So his hands can be like one just behind the other. I mean, everything's dialed into getting dragged down. And that's why I think the real smart athlete looks. They might use a power meter for effort, but they really look at, can I dial in my equipment to make most use of my power? Not can I out, like outplay the power meter? And if you do, and you don't listen to what your body tells you, or you start at the regulation power that you should be at, and something's not right that day, you're gonna to have to back off. You can't keep going. You've still got to, like you say, have that feel of yeah. something's not right today. But I'm not on it. I, I also have, I get a bit of feedback from people that obviously I, I like talking to when they're going to do a big event, and you know, I, I like them to come back and let me know how they got on. And you know, I've had a couple of people come back going, "Oh, yeah, the, the I got to the start and the power meter didn't work." And I thought, you know, well, what did you do? Well, I just had to, to ride on feel. How did you get on? Well, yeah, I had a pretty good race actually mm, so you know mm. i had a, a good ride what i wanted to do but i had an even better run which is normally yeah. the case that because they don't know the exact figures they're not they fun, can yeah. they're, they're not chasing the yeah. figure as it would be and they fear over pushing it because because if they over push it they haven't got the data anyway to say oh i held a higher power so they're better to go right i've got to protect my legs in in triathlon anyway and it's nice i think when you're doing things that do require people to put out as much power as possible if somebody comes back to me yeah i've just i've just pb'd for you know for a 25 miler but also i've done a power pb great you didn't just do a power pb and go slower on a course you know you should have been quicker at which point you think why where did you waste watts you know it's quite possible for people to waste watts say oh yeah yeah i, I wasn't really I wasn't really tucking it the right places there was bits where i just wasn't getting it right so power in is always ultimately limited we could all say oh i'm going to put out more power okay just keep doing that then and you tell me that the limit is just you haven't really been bothered you know yeah why don't yeah. you put why don't you put out you know the same as marcin which i think was three for the 100 miles i think was something like 330 odd watts okay um you know the rest of us can't do that i can squeeze it out for 10 but i can't do yeah, it for 100 say, you'd be lucky to do that yeah. for 10 meters yeah so so it isn't about effort. There is a limiter, and the limiter isn't even how much you're training. The limiter is down to the fact that that's just as much as your muscles will generate. And if you try and push it and push it and push it, ultimately, you just end up showing that anyone can blow up. And we all know, you know, I started too fast, and oh, it's horrible. Sometimes you might have to start fast, particularly in time trials, because you're into a headwind, so you've got to go as fast as you can, because you're just about to get a tailwind for five miles back. But I think power meters only magnify the extent to which afterwards you can look at it and say, like a heart rate trace, a power trace is like a, like a lie detector. And I always take, um, with another bit of software, I use the iSmartTrain software, I take the file and look at the, what I call the power buckets, how much time somebody spent in each like 25 watt division. And you can see when people have got it right because they've spent a lot more time exactly where you want them to be. There's not loads of stuff above the average, yeah. loads of stuff below it. And then they say, oh, my legs felt awful. Yeah, they, they didn't feel awful because of the stuff below the average. It was all of that stuff where you pushed it way too hard. And we'd set a limit. You don't want to push that hard, and you did. So it's not even, you know, the average number might say that was the right average. And I had a, a recently a client, and it was, it was the classic. It was absolutely the classic that showed that 
He'd gone close to the average each time, but had had a couple of like, yeah, I'm not quite running as well as, as the training shows. And it was like head scratch. You know what? I think it's down to the smoothness. So practice going out and riding smoother. Don't have these spikes. And he just got too used to hitting a little spike of a, of a you know, 50 metre incline. Fuff, 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 fuff. Pump the, pump the power up and get over it. The problem is every one of those whacks your legs. And you don't take many of those before you notice that the best athletes actually are just really good economical people. They don't necessarily have a great sprint. They're very good at diesel. So practices it, puts it into effect in the next race, does his best run and says, wow. It's like, yeah, it, the power meter average isn't what you want. Is to be as close to that number and to not look at these buckets afterwards and say, why is there that amount of time at this level? You shouldn't have needed to work that hard. You've got to almost be saving yourself. Conversely, with the time trialist, sometimes there'll be a big difference because the course might mean you have to go really hard in one instance and you're not even going to hold the average on the way back because you've gone into a, a deficit. If you can hold, let's say for ease of memory, if you can hold 300 watts for the whole of 10 miles, and if you go out at 3.30, you're coming back at about 2.70, mm. you know, because somehow that average has to come out. You start at 3.30, you won't then say, oh, I've just bumped my average up to 3.30. No, you were trying before at 300. You can't keep pushing that average yeah, upwards. Yeah. So I think a power meter is really useful as long as you don't become a slave to it. That's it. That's you know? exactly it. And, and, and if somebody hasn't got power meter and they can't afford it, don't worry. You could use your indoor trainer and it have an estimate of power. You could just be very good at feeling your way through, not setting a speed, because a speed can be horrible if the weather and the um, like uh, conditions are such that it's just slow and everyone's slow. And therefore, you get on the bike thinking you're going to do the speed that beats last year. You don't realise most people are slower than last year. So you fight the bike to keep the average speed up, at which point you get off the bike already thinking, I've worked too hard. And I think sometimes there is that early part, any race, any running, anything, where you've got to say, how do I feel right now? You know, is this about right? If it's right, you should feel like, I could go so much faster. Oh, it's early days yet. But if it's not and you're struggling then you sometimes have to go, right, I just better wind it in a bit. And it, you know, if I just started too hard, am I just on a day where I'm going to have to be very clever with my feeding and my pacing and try and save energy and I'll get through, but I cannot just be, you know, just be uh, kind of random with my efforts. And that, that's the clever races. They're, they're not on their best form, but they get a good race because they just protect themselves. And they say, it came good later, but early on, I really had to protect That's myself. That's the thing. I think you've got to look at, at each end of the scale and go, well, you know, do I want to go hard to start off with? I, I, do, like people's, I do like people's mental uh, view of it when they go, I like to go hard and just see if I can hold on. Which yeah. to me means that, you know, are you going to hold on or is that just a little bit of a buffer built in? So if you have a bit of a bad one, then you can go, oh yeah, well, I went... I went quite hard because I wanted to see if I could hold on, but yeah. you know, for an Ironman, there's, there's no way that that's gonna that's gonna allow you to get away no. with that because no. you just it will just bite you in the in the, in the posterior. Everything has a point where your maximum power or your most optimum pacing is is probably fairly predictable. Yeah, yeah. It's not like oh well, if you really try, you'll get you know a lot better. Um, so we've done one question. We'll call this one question two because that was kind of a comment and a question from Vicky. Um, so this one was from. Uh, Chris it's from Chris is it Chris Tennis 96 and he says uh, not sure where Chris got this from but it was via uh, 
looks like Twitter, and he says, you said a PPO test, and I'll explain that in a minute, would be better than an FTP test. You mentioned a training zone table for peak power output. I can't find one. Could you share the table, or was the test you mentioned a lab test with lactate measurements, etc., etc.? There was a second part of that. But first of all, the, the PPO test <laughs> is what people will come uh, here to do, which is nice, really low-intensity warm-up. PPO, Joseph, please. Peak power output. There we go, thank you. Okay, and that's not peak sprint power, that's peak, peak aerobic <laughs> power. And so you start at your 100 watts, and you go up, and typically would pick 25 watts. So you go 100, 125, 150, 175, and so on. So to keep that going, just add 25s, okay? Um, <laughs> he so, looked at me then. <laughs> what did he mean then? Just, I'm just making sure. You add 25. You add 25 yeah. each time. You. And some people, you know, they will pop at... Um, 275, 300. Other people will pop at you know 450, 475, even 500. There's different engines. There's different I'm, engines out there. We're, we're looking outside of, of South Fort. Now there's different cars going by with different engines, but they still manage to go from A to B, and it's the same with humans. We've got different engines, and the biggest engine doesn't necessarily get there quicker if it runs out of fuel, and the economy of knowing what you've got in the kind of tank is the best way to make use of the engine. So when somebody and a few times people sort of said, oh, yeah, but you're so much about X and Ys and about you got this and you got that. Well, let's be honest. The reason why you, me, are not world champions has got nothing to do with the fact that we haven't really been bothered. You know, oh, should we be bothered? Oh, yeah, let's try and win the world championships, okay? It's because we've had a certain performance level. That even though we've both been into sport since we were teenagers and done stuff, it still doesn't mean you're on the same trajectory as a Cavendish, a Brownlee, a Chrissy Wellington, etc. Their engines are at a different level. Okay? That's not to be limiting because people have still got the most out of that engine. But it is to state that you can't just set a goal which may be impossible. Okay. And there was something picked up, somebody had made a, they'd made a, uh, it was kind of a bit of a, um, I suppose it was a comment on somebody that had been picked up for doping in sportives. And his mate also who'd won a sportive or got second also had been picked up for doping. You kind of think, there's somebody that, you know, they're winning a sportive, okay, and um, they're doing it by doping. You kind of think, well, you can beat your X and Ys, but if that's, if that's the way that, you know, you want to do it, it just proves that, um, that you've got a set amount that is a, a given um, quantity that you can um, utilise and if you want to cheat and cut the course or dope or do whatever, then yes, it looks like you've got better, but you haven't. And the pros have got, just got bigger engines. The best, you know, in any sport, if you measured it, it people sort of say, oh, there must be alien or it's, it's totally, it's totally uh, unreal. So no, it's real. And until you realize people can run under 10 seconds for 100 meters and they can get close to two hours for running a marathon, Okay, it makes the four-hour marathon to say, what, somebody's done it in literally half the time? Yeah, but that's his job. And he's probably, you know, he's got a BMI of about 19. Your BMI might be 26, so he's going to move across the floor quicker. None of it is unexplainable. But I think sometimes with the whole ramp test, either people don't want to do it because they feel like it's setting a limit. They genuinely don't want to do it. Generally don't want to do I it. Yeah, it's, it's hard don't work. Want to do yeah. it. I I feel like this year I've got to do one because then <laughs> no, I'll tell you why. Because then I'll have thirty years of data and I'll be able to look at it and see, you know, probably the difference will be the systems over that period of time. The actual up to this point they've only been about twenty five watts off of any of the data across all that time. 
But you got that on floppy disk. <laughs> <laughs> paper actually unbelievable yeah, unbelievable, unbelievable on paper um, but some people don't they don't want to do the test because they fear that it will sort of set limits it's like well what your performances are already can tell me pretty much I can work back from that and tell you unless you've you know, had unbelievably bad equipment I can probably work out what your max is anyway sidetrack Steve get on with it no we're talking about FTP yeah. so PPO. the second part the second part of um, Chris's question was um, oh, it's a massive piece. First, this one. first of all, um, are you going to put a ramp test? Yeah, have you, got, have you got? I'll share it through the Twitter feed, okay, Facebook. Keep pointing at Joe. I know. Yeah, because well, for once we're, we're sitting opposite one another. Because I said it'd be nice to look into one another's whites of their eyes and really like, rather than looking out the window, not even looking at the other person. Shifty looking. He's shifty, shifty looking thing. Um, firstly, um, Chris also said, uh, which training volume? Which training vol- volume did I take? You got. I don't know. Don't know what that means. Anyway, sorry. Um, another thing. Does it does it make sense to do endurance base work in the second part of a training session after having done interval work in the first part? I fifteen minutes warm up, four by eight minute interval, and then one hour zone one, or just the intervals. That's a that's a great question. Because you can certainly add aerobic work after hard work, okay? Particularly biking. And I think about the example of people that do, they do time trials or they do intervals and they ride to work. And actually, that's, that's aerobic recovery. It's still valid training. But after a hard effort, it can often, it can often make you feel looser and better. If you do very hard running intervals and then say, oh, I'm going to add another six mile run afterwards, like, nah, it's probably not the best thing to do. So it would depend on what sport what you're talking sport. about. And I guess also you've got to be very careful that you aren't just filling that volume with stuff that isn't going to help you, just fatigue you a bit more. Yeah. But yeah. like you said, you know, from running, there's no point in doing a, a speed session, uh, um, a brick session slash track session, um, having to have done two hours and then go oh yeah well i'm gonna go for a five mile warm down mm. jog yeah you know you don't need to do it in five miles really <laughs> no five but that's no that's not a warm down is it i mean the five miles is a run yeah that is a run and also with that comes the inherent problems of injury i guess yeah and if, if you look at no, the, the things with intervals is they tend to be do enough warm-up do the session and then cool down as, as quickly and loosen off as, as easy as you can um, I quite like, like with the, the local time trials, we've got like a lot of people you can do, you can ride your time trial, hopefully, fingers crossed, do it and then ride back. And sometimes that's really nice because you've done a hard effort and actually just to loosen off and already put in another, I don't know, 30, 50, even 60 minutes worth of easy riding. It does start putting base work back underneath. And it's not like, oh, it's just recovery riding. It's like, no, it's own one work. It counts. And because you've done quite high intensity, it's very rare that you're going to accidentally on the way back when you're cooling down start throwing in even more hard work. You're like, no, 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 no. That was the hard work. Somebody tries to push me. That's going to be irrelevant. I need to, I need to properly like. Otherwise, you can slip into that zone two effort. And I think with, with uh, sort of Chris's answer, you can do extra because on a bike it is okay and it does add in the activity not that everyone has to do it plenty of interval sessions you see that are done are just you know do the intervals and then do the minimum amount to get rid of the you know the blood flow effect even like you know the grand tour riders they finish the top of the climb 
the chicken on a turbo trainer for you know 10 minutes just to clear the blood flow out because they've worked really hard and that's what you've done with your intervals you work really hard it's horrible to stop at that point your legs they often tighten up you've got a lot of heat build up uh, your body can process that lactate just by you walking around the house or, or, or quickly having a shower but bringing the heat level down also I think or just easing your brain back from the mentality of intervals to bringing yourself back down to like the real world is quite good otherwise you can be a complete gibbering wreck because you've kind of done all this work and you need to gradually bring yourself back down and that one hour ride a short jog I mean a short jog laps in the pool um, people that are just you know, do rowing intervals and then just do some easy aerobic technique work it's a great time after efforts to just practice good technique and just bring yourself back down i think that's the other thing technique <clears throat> being the emphasis on that warm down slash kind of extra zone one stuff yeah yeah it's, because you can feel it you can feel the te- you know you don't have to put the effort in because you've already done it you know you've already done your your um, intervals yeah. so at least i suppose you get the the feeling in the muscles that you're kind of working them and, and, and exercising them in a way that is a proper technique it's a yeah, proper technique absolutely. Where even whether it be like you said running or swimming normally once you've done your your hard efforts in swimming you slow the stroke right down and and you can then feel the muscle groups that you're using in the pool to do your technique yeah. so. um, and Chris because this was a, a, a several parts of a discussion going backwards and forwards on Twitter he did say how do you calculate your power zones um, like you know, like you would with FTP, um, with the result of a ramp test. And you take the, the maximum from a ramp test, and you know, that's your, your, your PPO, peak power output. And then you can pretty much say, right, times that by 0.75, you'll get your, your threshold, your approximate, very close to your one-hour effort that you'll put out. Uh, times by 0.8, you'll get something that will probably be very, very close to what you can put out for 10 miles. If it's an Ironman athlete, I'll times it by 0.55. That will be their Ironman pace. And it's a pretty damn robust number. And it's been over quite a while. And also seeing other ways that people do it. And it all aligns up. The difference being is that an FTP test, people try and get better and better at squeezing out more form by getting good at a 20-minute test. And that doesn't actually relate often to the exercise they're doing. Okay, if they are a 10-mile time trialist, then a 20-minute test is quite a good way of saying, do you know what, you're just doing race pace work Um, because it's roughly 20 minutes. Whereas an Ironman athlete that's out there for 14 hours, a 20-minute, like, test, trying to see whether they're getting fitter, it's like, no, go back to the ramp test and see how you're getting more economical with very little mental energy needed to put in, or do you want to smash yourself every three weeks for 20 minutes and somehow somehow measure that that's getting you, no, that's getting you better doing the test, that's getting you better at, at dealing with lactate buildup, which doesn't have anything to do with the duration you're doing, but also you can you can feel like you're getting fitter, but you're actually burning matches by doing each one of those tests and pushing yourself to the maximum so the difference with the ftp test i think and the maximum ramp test once you've done a max ramp test and there's quite a few people that have done them here come back try and repeat sorry same numbers okay you might get a little bit better at for most people going up to that last i find to get i'm stating the really obvious but to get to a hundred percent it's really hard work. I can do plenty of work at 
80% max and do like time trials, but to get that last 20% and do a max test is really hard. And I think I'm gonna to have to do it with you shouting at me because oh, I've done it several Jesus. times. You know, do it at home, go right, turbo trainer, right, I'm just gonna do a max test. And you get to a certain point and you just, there's no further drive. And you think this is the point where you want somebody shouting at you because you've got to maybe, you know, 95% and you just can't squeeze that last next, you can't go up to the next 20 watt ramp because you're kind of like thinking, God, why did I even think I was gonna do this anyway? Whereas when somebody pays for, or as you stood there doing their, um, doing their ramp test, they really do wanna deliver a number, which, as I said, looking back at the data I've got and loads of other people, they don't reset that max. And that max will point towards, like I said, 0.75 will tell you FTP. Yes, you could get a little bit better at holding that power, but most people that do the 20 minute test, here's the shocker, you're not doing the FTP test, you're doing something that's above FTP, so I know I can squeeze out more in an FTP test than I should be able to do in terms of a, of a, of a 25 mile time trial. I'm good at lactate tolerance, it's just something that for short periods has been a better thing, a bit ironic considering I want to do longer things, but it's one of those things, but you just get good at doing that, but that doesn't relate to your strength endurance, and it also, it is, it is almost like a false sense of fitness that if you squeeze out a bit more at this test, you're getting fitter. No, you're often just getting better at the test, which then can undermine the fact you might not be more economical at your Ironman racing. You may not be better at fueling over 70.3. You might not be, uh, not many people do it in, in running because they haven't sort of swallowed the pill, but there's loads of people that think this FTP test is the best thing since sliced bread and but it's do you, not. Do you think that the FTP thing is a, is a fashion thing that absolutely happens, happens all the time absolutely. in sports doesn't it you know I, yeah. I know i know obviously zwift itself is massive on it on the ftp and the 20 minute test and like you said all that happens really is you just get good at doing a 20 minute test yeah 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 it's like it's, it's inevitable it's like anything if you do um eight minute efforts and that's all you ever do then you'll be good at eight minutes <laughs> yeah yeah so yeah, yeah. I, I i kind of which is good if the sport you do has got eight minute efforts in it yeah and it's funny because we, we we get to hear a lot of it obviously with with people coming in going oh, i've seen a you know a massive improvement with my um with my ftp and you're like well brilliant at least you're measuring you're measuring something can't you mm. rather than just going oh, i don't know i just just get on and ride and, and just see how it goes but yeah. I, th I think kind of our obsession again with with facts and figures which mm. you know i am i am one of those those people that like to see it in either heart rate form in figures or or powering those figures i'm not a slave to it but i do like to see it. it's like when, when we go out for our our easy rides I, I don't i very very rarely look at the head unit the only thing i look at is probably the time that we're yeah. doing you yeah. know I, i'm not really interested in heart rate or power because i know that we you know we don't have to go hard and we're not going going hard on the bike because yeah, it's so. base endurance work yeah. i think the thing with the thing with people showing they get an improvement in their ftp i'm always intrigued so how did you get that and more times than not, they just got better at doing the test. So maybe they taper a bit more into it. Maybe they've worked out they were going too hard. So the number that it gives them, let's say it's 250 watts, then they start and they don't hit 300 for the first five minutes and pop. So what they're doing is they're sussing out the test. Because if somebody hasn't done it in the correct way, they may be just getting better at the test. And actually, other parts of their fitness are... Um, are not getting better, but the test, because it's seen as the be on end all, gives them a full sense of, I know what I'm doing. 
And I, I see so many people that have been obsessed with FTP and their, their, their training can be pulled apart just ridiculously bad. I mean, and so it's like, don't let it get you into a false sense of, yeah, yeah, I know what I'm doing. Because I think more times than not, you know, how do you get better at the FTP? Well, fundamentally, you, you are trying to, um, you're trying to reduce lactate. The best way to reduce lactate is not to do lots of intervals unless you're already doing quite a large amount of base work. And... Um, so we were just staggered by somebody doing the quite most amazing um, three-point turn in the road. Um, and I think they don't realise that the base is the essential part of that means you're aerobically more conditioned, you're not generating the lactate, therefore you don't produce as much, therefore you can go for longer. And on top of that, you get better at noticing, back to this whole thing you're saying about feeling the difference, you can feel where that point of spillage is. So whether it's a 5k run or a or a short time trial or whatever, you can feel where that ebb and flow is, whether it's a climb on a mountain bike race or whether it's the, you know, the early part of a, you know, a 10K run. You know where you should be. And that can come back to looking at a device on your wrist or on your head unit, but you have to be able to feel that. You can't be leaving it up because that's when, when it goes wrong or when the numbers are wrong, people make completely the wrong decision on their pacing. And you think they weren't listening to their body. They were believing that the head unit was right. And you've got to be able to... So FTP is a bit like that. It gives a bit of a false sense of you're doing great. Because actually what you're doing is you're getting good at doing a test, like your eight-minute intervals. Oh, I'm getting really good at eight-minute intervals. Yeah, that's good. Are you, are you going for an eight-minute interval session as, as your main goal? No, 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 I'm doing a half Ironman. Then why are you doing your eight-minute intervals unless everything else is in place? There might be scope for eight-minute intervals, but I'd probably get them doing, you know, eight minutes um, incline running, like at a slightly quicker pace, but learning strength endurance or, you know, overgeared efforts of eight minutes at 60 RPM. But there wouldn't be eight minutes smashing yourself to pieces because like, what, is that going to be the end of your race? Eight minutes, that's what you're going to be training for as to how hard you can go in the last eight minutes, mm. you know. A good question, I like Yeah, that. this one, next one, um, is from uh, Richard Dawson. And I think this is the Richard that I know from quite a few years back, actually. If it is, hello, Richard, you're obviously listening. And thank you for the question. And he says, I was interested to listen to your latest podcast. This is a while back. This is the London Tri-Show one about blood profiling. Two years ago, I had one done and it raised a couple of anomalies. The first one was my hemoglobin level was reduced, suggesting that I was anemic, although my iron levels were normal. And the other was that the testosterone was very low. My diet was good, I very rarely eat any meat, and I don't smoke or drink. I did some research into um, increasing my RBC count, red blood cell count, and increased my legumes, dried fruit, spirulina, changed to soya milk, which has um, cut out bloating. I also introduced B12, folic acid, on a daily basis. Although I ate all of the above, are uh, before, I did increase the amount that I had in my diet. So you just upped things a bit, okay? It said a few weeks ago, I had another test. This time um, at my doctor's, my red blood cell count had increased to 4.89 from 4.4. Uh, pack cell had gone uh, to 44% from 36%, but my testosterone was still very low at 6.9. Last time it was 6.59, um, resulting in a referral 
to have a scan later this year. Apart from the B12 folic acid, I don't take any supplements, vitamins, etc. I now regularly test my blood myself, uh, which provides me with a good idea of where my blood levels are. They tend to be around a hematocrit of 40 and a hemoglobin of 13. Hopefully my testosterone issue uh, can be resolved and may be a result of training too hard, insufficient recovery and levels of stress. I tend to train 10 hours per week, all of which is biking um, with not enough zone one, which I have now addressed. I'd be interested to hear what, what other ideas you have in raising testosterone levels, red blood cell count, and what effects it may have on my training. Thank you for your time to read my question. All the best, Richard Dawson from Shropshire. So, it, I mean, it's a, it's a thing where you know, I do think, okay, I know it's money and it might be 50, 80, 100 pounds to get a blood profiler, but you know what? It's, it's like somebody with a bike that's got di2 and they don't take it into a shop to have each of the bits of software checked to see whether there's something wrong with it blood profiling just looks for the athlete or for somebody that i'm coaching and it looks inside and says this is the level of most of the things that we're looking at and that low testosterone is quite indicative of somebody that's done not enough um it may not even be not enough zone one training it may be actually they've done too much zone one training and they're just tired Often it's a case of people have just been pushing too much and there was a lack of recovery. Testosterone is, you know, it's, it's one of those things. Um, I've had a few people, I had one recently and it was six when he started with me, but he was a wreck and he'll, he'll admit that. And now he's feeling so much better, but he's gone from six to 10. Well, from six to 10, it's two thirds greater than what it was. It's gone up four and four is a ratio of six means two thirds of what he didn't have before is there. But 10 is less than half of, of other people. So it's like, look... <laughs> None of that made any sense to me. You're looking at me going, I might as well say these numbers. Obviously numbers. Just well, nod in but this way, a good level would be like, certainly 15, ideally um, 20. We've just read Richard's, he's down at six. This athlete went from six to 10 that I'm dealing with. And a lot of that was, you know, getting the diet. And I know there'll be, there'll be people, you know, you can switch off, you can throw the podcast away now, but get on decent red meat. That seems to be one way to get your testosterone. Also, look at your sleep. It's the simplest way. Don't have huge apps and devices and stuff. Just simply get used to sleeping properly. Perhaps cut your caffeine, perhaps sort your, you know, treat yourself to a really nice duvet or great, great company. Um, like pillows or something make sleeping as important as whether or not you think you should be buying a disc wheel or a new pair of Nikes that are 200 quid I think this is this was a point that I'd made I'd made a little note on, on my phone to kind of bring up oh hold on the, a minute you're I'm making not, notes you're yes. making notes on top of the notes well, well there's a first well, you know the very interesting uh, links that I send to you Joseph I do about, I do and, and, to which Joe replies please stop this um, yeah or are you reading I think you're not <laughs> yeah you just get links and just send me That's some random links. <laughs> I've never read them. Um, no, I have. And no, he hasn't. The, the, the amount of people that extra now that we have in with, with nutrition, you know, nut- people's, people's faces like with nutrition, when you say, oh, I, d- I, I know I don't want to sound like a drug pusher and I know some people just kind of don't want to try it, which is fine. And they have their own ways as well. Yeah. So people eating flapjacks and things like that. Yeah, yeah it's fantastic. But you'll just get the old person coming in and going, oh yeah, I, abs- I, I, I did the 
off-road. I mean, we've got the North Devon kind of half and 10K half and North Devon Marathon, which is pretty tough. Tough, um, tough terrain, yeah. It's a tough old terrain around the coast. And you just say to people, you know, what, what you do for your nutrition, recovery, training, etc. And when you say about recovery, you can always see people's face go, really really it's uh, but the amount of people we've had back in now that have gone oh thanks for your advice with things like gels you know i i wanted to stay away from them um i thought they would upset my stomach from what i've read i said you just got to play around mm. with with you know different brands you know there's there's more than one brand out there you know there's, there's loads of different brands and you just got to stick with a brand that you like and, and you know works for you and the amount of people like you said that come back and it's almost like a eureka moment where they mm. go wow, you know, I, I didn't realise that, that this would make me feel so much better. And that's just the fueling of an event. And that's that's just, not yeah. the long-term diet. And we all have, let's face it, we all have certain foods that we like, certain foods we cannot stay away from and we love them. And then there's some that you, you've got to squeeze into your diet because you wouldn't eat them naturally. And it's not to say everybody should eat everything. I've got certain principles that I know work for certain people's diets and it does, and I can see it in their... Um, you know, some people in their you know, vitamin D level with certain supplementation, or again with the hemoglobin, it might be with their testosterone. You can't eat a brilliant diet and think that you're Superman or Superwoman. You could still overtrain. So the testosterone, the blood profile stuff, it's only showing some things not quite 100%. Mm-hmm. And if you alter the right things, you can start to make those measurable changes. You know, he's seen certain things happen. And they've gone in a good way. But he says, no, I don't eat meat much. Don't eat meat much. Um, therefore, it is going to be difficult to keep red blood cell production at a good level. There are very good vegan and um, vegetarian athletes, but the majority of endurance athletes do eat meat because they know what it does. And it's not, a, you know, I'm not making anybody's morals up. That's up to them. But it's important to see that it isn't just about the training. If we go back to this idea of, you know, how much have you got within your engine capacity? Well, you've got a lot less. If your hemoglobin's low, your testosterone's in single digits, being a man, and you've also got, you know, perhaps issues that you haven't tried the right nutrition, and you blow up and say, I can't get, I can't get past two hours without blowing up. All you're doing with blood profiling is checking that the, I think, the long-term effects of your training and your diet, the long-term effects of how much you understand recovery and how much you perhaps never take time off and you don't rekindle your body at the end. Do enough training, do enough racing, you can break yourself. And that's what some blood profiles show to me is that people, you know, we've got a long, you know, uh, in, in this one instance, you know, this testosterone climb that's happened, you know, th- this has taken 18 months, but the guy is so much fitter, so much stronger, feels, you know, feels, um, feels so much better. And although the testosterone increase and other increases are very subtle, if you go from six to 10, that's big. And what we're looking for with blood profile is to make sure that we understand what things that person needs and not not trying to be perfect. I mean, you know, the people that strive for the perfect diet, you could eat the best, you know, super organic, don't touch this kind of food stuff, don't touch that. And I'm finding that you're still actually not able to recover as well. There are other people, they eat the most amazing amount of junk and they bounce off training phenomenally. There's the, there's the sense that you have different levels of adapters. There's the sense you have different levels of just history in sport. If you've been doing a joint sport for quite a long time, you've obviously got a wealth of 
internal like DNA, RNA, all you know, genetic triggers that just mean your body's used to training and it quickly adapts to it. Other people that have never done it, they create so much change when they start training. They don't realize how much it's pulling out salts and vitamins and you know affecting their testosterone ratios and stuff like that somebody else that does the same you know nine hour week is doing it and saying i'm fine and i think looking at it if we look at the sense of priorities it's much more important to find out internally what's going on you shouldn't expect the nhs to do that for you because they won't pick up on stuff that as a coach looking at people's blood profile i'll pick up stuff that they're not even gonna uh, a gp's not even gonna sniff it again that's fine don't worry about that i would look at it and go that number's too low we need you in the performance well, range we don't need you in just the healthy enough not to drop dead range yeah yeah well, and, and that is the thing is, is um because i my family, so personally, my family, um, my dad has high blood pressure. He's had a stroke. He's had a heart attack. So he he weighs, he's probably the same weight as me, and I'm 68K. So, you know, I would be classed as being quite high on the risk scale. So I just naturally go in being a man of <coughs> mature years. <laughs> man being of mature years, go in, and I just say, you know, I, I said to the doctor, I just want to cholesterol test. Can I have a blood test as well? And they're like, yeah, yeah. And you phone up and they just go, yeah, everything's fine. Yeah. And you're like, well, fine, doesn't, fine and nice are two words yeah, yeah, that yeah, don't yeah, really yeah. rub to yeah, me, yeah, for me. Yeah. So I said, well, is there anything more specific that, you know, that, no, everything's well within its, its ranges. And I'm like, right, th- thanks. So what I was going to say... Today, to- even today, somebody that I'd spoken to um, at an event sent me, um, sent me their bloods because they just had a blood test. They weren't quite going well. And I said, right, send me the data. That's your data. You can get that data. Send it to me and we'll have a look over it and you know, see if there's any anomalies. But it's only a critical point when you start to get serious numbers that they go, whoa, this is ill health. Yes. You know, it's, it's, it is the National Health Series, uh, series? <laughs> Service, but it only counts, you know, a lack of health at quite a significant number. Whereas when you look at performance and you look at something as simple as, say, something like haemoglobin, what the doctor considers to be below par and what I consider to be below par are completely different. So you could be somebody on, a, you know, a very low, uh, a very low meat diet. You could not be looking after yourself in terms of any specific supplementation. And then what you notice is your low but like 13 is 13 is low right for this guy well i'll give you blood data blood data that i did um again it was, it was quite it's when i was doing my degree so it's probably like 30 years ago they right? have blood back then they did have blood back then yeah <laughs> but it was 13 point and i got told you should be eating meat that's too low you're not you're not training your, your red blood cells i'm now at 15.8 to 16 right so my and that's that's regular red meat, quality red meat intake. Um, it's also looking after your body to track it and to see that when you are at a higher level of that hemoglobin, you're just able to not only capture the oxygen and get it into your muscles, you're able to shift the carbon dioxide or lactate, etc., out of the body better. So you just have a better engine. So 13 is not going to trigger the doctor to say anything to this client but when i was told 13 back then is too low and did something about it it went up and it's gone up and it's regularly gone up and you can kind of see that there are certain things in athletes that they're definitely not right they can be altered but what you've got to do is you've got to see that it won't it won't alter itself if you just carry on doing what you're doing doing all these things like particularly 
particularly uh, hemoglobin, testosterone, and vitamin D levels, I'd see those as three very important components of when I look at somebody's fourth edge profile. That's quite long-term stuff there. Cortisol could just be that weak it was higher. Um, some things like even the, the, uh, the hematocrit, the basically the density of the blood, that can vary you know, in minutes or hours. So there's certain things you think, oh, that's just a fluctuation and it's not even that bad. But other things like testosterone, vitamin D, and um, certainly hemoglobin, I mean, those things are saying, how well is that body keeping up with the training? And if it's not, it's pointless because you just end up training and just, you don't get any better because you haven't got the minerals, you yeah. know? You just haven't got them in there. Well, I'll tell you, tell you what I do in, in, when we, when we uh, go off air, which makes it sound like we're on the radio, but um, I'll have a chat with you about- Welcome to Radio SFR. I'll, I'll, I'll get a test from Fourth Edge, and I don't, I don't care about, obviously, people knowing about my specifics, it's fine. They won't believe the numbers. And, <laughs> you, yeah, you literally yeah, will yeah. not believe yeah. it. Um, where did, we'll do, where did they define the men lady level? Yeah, yeah, that's it, yeah. again. Um, so look, I'll you know I'm happy to to do a test. We'll we'll pay for a test. I'll do a test. We'll we'll give everybody the figures. We'll put it out on Twitter or we'll put it out on um, yeah. Facebook or Instagram or whatever it is. Um, and then we'll we'll see if you guys are still happy with the way that uh, our voices sound in maybe six months, eight months, twelve months time. We'll do another one and just see if any of the any of the fundamentals have changed and and see what goes on. And yeah, and I've got I can I can I can put things out of, of people that have like had you know the the level of their uh, vitamin D is at a certain point, and then they have foods, they have supplements, and it goes up to a level like right, okay, we're protecting your immune system, we're protecting your um, uh, bone density, reducing the chances of stress fractures and stuff like that. There's certain levels and. And we're learning more about this, getting smarter with algorithms of looking at the data of different age groups, different types of athletes to work out. Because the, you know, the average, it's a bit like you know, the average, um, I suppose, you know, the average level of exercise that people do, or like the average like male testosterone. Um, and I'll, I'll give out my numbers. The average for somebody that's 50... You're never 50. <laughs> no, I'm not. I don't know. What, I don't know. You're never 50. I can't remember be. the full head of hair like that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I snorted then. Um, it should be 12 to 13. Now, that probably takes into account people that are not well, maybe. And Fourth Edge are going to work out, okay, in healthy people, where is it? But I'm 21 versus 12 to 13, right? So maybe that's why, A, you know, I'm not training Ironman volumes and probably lucky to do six to eight hours. But B, I'm always looking to never get so tired and run down that you start doing a training session and you feel exhausted. So some of that is back to feel. And actually it's saying, if I'm feeling rubbish, that isn't me being weak. That isn't me, you know, I've got to get out the door because even though you're coughing and spluttering and you feel like rubbish, you know, only the best people, you know, get out the door when they feel like that. No, they don't. You actually protect yourself. But I think there's a real sense of, 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 of control, but of understanding about your body when you do get these bloods. Because you, firstly, I think I'm running at about 87% of, of client data is well within norms. So they're fine. But there's 13% where we could do better. Drop their iron, it's way too high. They're on the red zone. Um, increase hemoglobin because they, you know, they, they have let it drop. One of the things about running is that you, you mechanically crush the red blood cells underfoot. So you, you do a lot more damage to the red blood cells. People even taking a sample, squeezing too hard, can damage the red blood cells. So that shows how fragile the red blood cell is. But if you understand a bit more about 
what's going on internally. It doesn't tell you about you know disease or likelihood of things. Uh, there are some little markers you can find out in the likelihood of certain cardiovascular things. But for the most part, you just see, am I keeping the engine in a fairly good place? The point isn't to get, as, as Richard had, the, the um, 13 for his haemoglobin. Actually, really, as an athlete, I want him up at sort of 15, even 16. And knowing elite data, plenty of those are up at 18. Absolutely legit legal stuff. And they've just got that inherent, they do a lot of altitude. They've spent their whole life bringing their body to a peak, and therefore, of course, they can transfer more oxygen. They've got five units as a percentage of his 13, so basically, they've probably got nigh on 40% more haemoglobin to grab the oxygen. But of course, you can transfer oxygen better. But also, I think the problem is, as soon as you mention, as soon as you mention blood, you know, people are also, oh, no, nothing to do with blood in sport. Mm. You know, it'd be no different than you going... Unless it's blood sports. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it'd be no different than you going to the doctors and them going, oh, we're going to have to take a blood sample just to make sure everything's all okay because you haven't been feeling very well. So I think it's... Like you said, everybody wants to buy the disc wheel because that looks yeah. really cool. Um, you know, everybody wants to have the new aero helmet, which is quite essential to have. But, you know... It's another 300 quid to spend on an helmet when you can spend 65, 75, 85 quid on a, on a blood profiling test. Yeah. And I'm going, well, fundamentally, you know, I suppose that must be the, the worst thing for a coach is then, you know, the best and the worst thing. Finding out something that is wrong mm. and then going, right, we need to do something to be able to make this yeah. change. Yeah. And making a positive change, you know, like you said, you know, kind of cutting down on caffeine or, you know, a bit more quality red meat, um, which must be awful for, for, for guys that are kind of vegans or vegetarians, you know, to have to try and get and that work around of, that. Yeah. and work around it, you know. Yeah. And again, that in itself must be an absolute mind-boggling kind of maze of being able to go, right, yeah. we can't go down this route, so we've got to go yeah. back down to yeah. this route. And, then yeah. and you, can, you, can, you, know, you, can, you can cobble along. The body can take various nutrients, but it's always... It's always a little bit of a conundrum how you can get the, the most out of somebody. But I think it's, it's really useful information because even if you find out that somebody just needs to you know, drop the amount of iron that they take because they're actually way over the top. How many times have people read an article, think they need to, oh, that's me, I need more zinc, and start whacking it down? Unless you've got the, the raw numbers from internal data, you can all make it up. You can all think now, oh, yeah, yeah, I definitely need this, that, or the other. You don't know. There are some people that I've had great on vitamin D they take no supplements their body processes well the foods they have and they have foods that are high in vitamin D but other people that would from the outset you'd say quirky really good athlete really strong um, like really strong aspect of their performances and everything and then you spot one particular thing like somebody that had a vitamin D level at like 32 and it's like warning warning I've only ever seen 31 in the literature so you know nigh on the lowest ever number I've seen we're trying to get people to 90 wow. so straight away yeah, yeah. and you wouldn't have known this from this person you'd have thought everything's fine that could be a major indicator and not just his training potentially getting you know damages in his bones but that could be something that long term massively affects the immune system not while he's you know 40 something and feels quite good but as time goes on that 
It's not the best thing. That isn't the best thing. Yeah, get your vitamin D as low as possible. No, there's this certain threshold. So it's always going to give somebody either confidence in what they're doing, for the most part, is not damaging their body, or it gives them very specific things that they can work on. And therefore, they can either, you know, tweak their diet because they're not very good at certain foodstuffs, or they can take specific supplementation, knowing that once they monitor the number, they're not just randomly taking mega doses. They take the required amount, they retest, and have they brought their body back up to where it should be. So it's not you know it's never more is better it's this tweaking of an engine this in the same way as um as all of the sort of motorsport area you know they look at all the internals of what's going on they take the data and then they tweak stuff and then they are um able to uh exactly tweak that tire pressure that part of the car diagnostics diagnostics and that's all it is it's diagnostics it's looking inside to say look we all can convince ourselves that everything we eat is absolutely bang on right which i know i'm not but if you know the things that you need to really focus upon, it doesn't matter that it's not perfect. There's more stress caused by, you know, the, the first world problem we have now is where people worry too much about their food not being perfectly balanced. Oh, I thought you meant the internet going down. No, 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 no. About people being like perfectly balanced with, um, with their intake of, I don't know, every food isn't quite as organic and quite as perfect and quite as, you know, it's like, look, you can worry about stuff and that can be worse than just saying, yeah, sometimes I eat chocolate and yes, I have had a glass of wine and yes, I, I do sometimes like a, a cheap burger, but I regret it later and all that kind of stuff. We always regret it. We always, <laughs> we always regret it when we go down and see the bogus kernel. Next question. This is from James Granfield. If, uh, okay. Um, what's this say? Question for your for your pod, if you choose it. Um, a wasted ath- athletic winter, dad, <laughs> dad for the second time last summer, and a disappointing Ironman Wales led to a winter of minimal structured training and no consistency. Raced Olympic try today. This would have been a couple of months ago. Um, Stoked to be back racing, but seriously lacking form or fitness. Finishing just outside top five, motivating me to return back to the training game. Uh, seeing as I have missed a winter of base training, when do I when do I start now? May is upon us, so yeah, this was a couple of months back. And races from the end of June booked, then coming thick and fast. Thanks in advance. Uh, please, can you talk about tyres again soon? It's been literally years. <laughs> yes. you, you don't worry, don't worry, James. I, I can talk about that. Um, so, you know, t- I think the thing about base, and this, this I'm going to hammer this one home, right, is that some people think base is all about what they did in the winter, and that when they get to the season, it's almost like it's a waste. It's like, oh, it's got to be race specific or it's got to be speed work or I'll do nothing at all because I'm, I'm resting for the next speed session. Whereas actually, base is um, it's not just for winter. It's all the time. And what you're trying to do, particularly in getting back into training, is to not make it seem like it's an incredibly huge mountain that you've got to know, oh, how, how am I going to get up to where I am? Well... I don't know where your, you know where your level of performance was, but you know if you um, finish just outside the top five, well, well, clearly then if you've not done much training, you must have a fairly natural aptitude for sport. You may well find that actually in not having done quite as much, your body's been rested, but it hasn't been going backwards. It hasn't gone all the way backwards to you a fifth from last. So you must have some inherent internal like training left there from before. I'm never surprised about how people on low amounts still are very fit. 
it's like yeah you know if you've got to be uh, training a lot you can't be any good you know you could take everybody and give them six hours and there wouldn't be much difference between the Fredinos and you and me and the Brownleys and the, you know, we would all be still at the same level the difference is they probably couldn't race flat out for eight hours but they could still do good things and I think sometimes when people get particularly here you know James has got he's got a fifth it, it gives him some motivation but to me it's say yeah whatever you think you have or haven't done the thing is is it's still been having an effect but mentally you felt like it's been way off now you won't be quite as robust for racing you you wouldn't want to throw yourself in as though it's been perfect preparation but most people if you detrain them for a while don't take long to come back if somebody's never been in the top five they can do 20 hours as far as i'm concerned if you haven't got certain processes in place that just might make them exhausted within a month or it might just make them say i was a bit faster but all i was really is really bored with the fact that i was doing so much training all the time you know we've all got a sweet spot and if if you treat base as the default you know there's that great graph of the um cross-country skier you know and you see in the season in the season it's still the majority of time is base training i've seen it with like time trialists still they're doing their you know two hours and three hours base rides in the um summer between you know 10 mile tts 100 milers 50s whatever so they're still defaulting back to the easy stuff the thing about in the season right now or in july is that actually if you're aerobically fit because you have been doing the right proportion of zone one bit like when we go out and ride you're looking at numbers thinking blimey that's low but we're, we're not doing anything different than the winter we're not on different no. bikes it's the same average speed but you just go wow that's like that's like you know it's not i never see it as guilty i'm just like that shows the fitness is in there as opposed to somebody that's always got high heart rates why they got high heart rates because they never stay in zone one and because they never stay in zone one they've always got high heart rates you get that catch 22 so i i do think base you know base base is always there and base is a nice way to introduce people back to training because it's skill work in the pool it's just riding your bike be it rollers be it outdoors be it commuting and running is just getting yourself out on two feet and just moving and if you're not thinking oh i've got to do loads of speed work oh i've got to really smash it no you don't base will make you probably 90% of your fitness ability. You'll only add a little bit on with that last bit. Base is not just for Christmas. Base is not just for Christmas, no. And actually, you know what? Sometimes when people, uh, certainly the October to December period, I know it's in July and we've not got to think about it too much, but, you know, the October to December period isn't the time to do, you know, your massive your massive sort of, oh, watch me this year. I had a really rubbish winter now and I'm really going to go for it now. No, don't. No, work on your strength, work on your skill. Get some sessions done, but don't, don't stretch it to the point where it's just going to lead to more illness. And I always like people coming out of winter and they know they're aerobically fit, but they really haven't started to stretch themselves, either in effort or in duration. Yeah. And I, and I think also people enjoy the structure. People enjoy the structure yeah. in the winter. Yeah, because there's nothing to get in the way. Yeah, you know, oh, I've been doing this, this and this. You know, my zone one's been working really well and my strength, my conditioning. And because people enjoy the structure, I think what happens when you don't do it, you just go, oh no, oh no, what if I haven't had the structure this year. But I think actually, like you said, because you've been going out and training sporadically, yes, then you'll have to probably put up with the fact that your performances might be sporadic as well. Mm. But then the question, I suppose, again, you know, Joe will correct me if I'm wrong, is, is the flip side to that is, where are you doing too much? Where are you doing too much at too high a level? Which means then, because you've come back down and done yeah. maybe a little bit less, and maybe 
cut out a little bit of what you thought was the quality, which was actually making you more tired. Yeah. You know, you've just gone, oh, look, I've only got an hour. You know, he's become a dad for the for the second time. I've only got an hour and a half, so I might as well just go for a poodle. Or the flip side to that is, I've only got an hour and a half, let's go and smash it. Yeah. So, which then means you get bigger peaks and troughs, et cetera, mm. et cetera. But mm. the, people enjoy the structure yeah. of the winter training and of course you then get obsessed with the structure because when you haven't got it yeah. you've just thought well oh, I've just kind of flown by the seat of my pants and it looks like I've mm. you know got a top five it's worked out all right whereas the truth of the matter is he probably has had the structure there that he knows subconsciously mm. and gone out and just thought well I didn't put in my 50 hours that I did last 65 hours that I did last year and you know this winter's been you know at least 20 hours less mm. and oh I've actually actually gone all right yeah to be honest. that's it so, yeah if you absorb what you're doing you will go right the mixture can always be wrong whether somebody's doing low volume or high volume but i think if if you understand that the point of the effort isn't that you're always doing your maximum effort you might be squeezing in every little segment of training that you can plenty of people you know they're they're squeezing in a 30 minute run here and a 45 minute turbo there and they, you know they manage to get an hour and a quarter done that day great that's their hour and a quarter. That's better than nothing. And psychologically, it works to help them to know that, to paraphrase other uh, well-known hospi- hospitals, <laughs> other supermarkets, um, every little helps. And I really do think that. Whereas, oh, yeah, I didn't have an hour, so I couldn't be bothered. What do you mean you didn't have an hour? Training doesn't happen in chunks of an hour. Sometimes it has to be, you know, it has to be three hours because it's your long ride. But sometimes... It's a 40-minute run because a 40-minute run works, yeah? And so I, I do think, going back to you know, what James was sort of trying to get at, is base just is. There's no, when should I do it? It's almost like he may have previously, the moment he got to the season, started to do too much intensity. It might make you used to racing, but it doesn't make you faster at racing. That's the difference. And maybe not having done as much, he felt it was a hard work place to get just outside of fifth. But, you know, if you do it correctly, you dovetail it into your life, you, you know, sort of enjoy it. I do think there's a component that people think, nah, I can't, I can't have enjoyment and be getting better. I, 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 <laughs> I, I, I need to be doing the self-sacrifice and the, you know, I need to make it into a, a religious kind of like... Um, uh, a religious kind of calling I've really got to like smash myself like, no it doesn't work like that I mean racing yeah please do because that's the point you'd leave everything out there in a race providing it's you know possible but a lot of training is about just going through the motions and if you have that might be uh, a young child it might be more work it might be just general life stress it might be a, you know a complete change of where you live who you live with or what you do um, for your job if you if you do the right things, none of those things will totally scupper it, but you cannot keep continuing to do the same stuff. We all got to sometimes tweak things a little bit. Never, you know, again, if the end result is still 80-20 or in some people's cases 90-10, that's not difficult to do. It just says most of the time you go out the door, do not push yourself too hard. And if you are tired from any of those things I've said, it's even more of a reason why you're quite happy to have low heart rate. And if you, you know, if you don't feel really buzzed to do a quality session, then don't, don't do it because it's, um, it's kind of like not going to make you happy. You know, the more you push yourself, you don't get a, a proportional 
payback. I would have said the past, well, not even three years, I'd have said the past 10 years. More times than not, people come to me not because... I want you to make me better. There's the odd one at that. Most people, it's like, I've completely buggered myself up. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what I kind of did, but, oh, this is the state of play. Sometimes they've even got blood metrics or they've got, you know, things that they can say, well, I was doing this, this, and this. And, um, and it's almost that there's this inherent lack of confidence in what somebody does. So they just push themselves to the point where they break. And then you go, well, that wasn't fun, was it? And you aren't really anywhere near where you are. And if you are, you're giving up so much. It really doesn't feel like you, you're, you know, this is your playtime. You know, very few people listen to this. It's your payday. It's your playtime. So why make that into something that you really end up resenting or it ends up being like, you know, oh, God, yeah. As somebody said the other day, I, I needed to come to you because I was at a certain race. I was in the swim and I thought, what the hell am I doing here? I don't really want to do it. And they'd spent months training incorrectly to get to that event. And once they were there, they didn't even really want to do it. And it's like, yep, we're never going to go down that road again because it was the incorrect application of effort. It's nothing to do with huge amounts of motivation and, you know, I'm going to change the world. No, it's often about just calming people down and saying, look, you can get remarkable amounts of payback from your training and it's not going to look like heroics. So actually people training correctly in zone one are great people showing that you're not part of the problem, you're part of the solution. That carries over to other people. This means... They get the right vibe that these people aren't up their own backside. They actually understand stuff. Ooh, they're Joseph. happy. They're happy. Did I use a technical term then, did I? But they're happy. They show good results. They're quite happy to talk about it. But there's still people saying, yeah, as I've had multiple times, people saying, I keep getting asked what my secret training is. It's like, well, we know there's no secret training. You're just doing the stuff that works. Yeah, but somebody says, I've seen your training, but what, what do you do with secret intervals? And we're like, we don't have secret intervals. <laughs> everything, everything somebody do, you know, if they wanted to, I'd just say, look, this is what they do and this is what we get back. The point is, there's an awful lot of times when they're training when, yeah, they're taking it easy. And, of course, from the outside, they look like they're having fun. They're enjoying it. Not like, oh, I've got to go out. I've got, I've got to do 20 miles an hour. I can't slow down. No, 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 no prisoners. Smash it. Beat everyone out on the road. Like, no, that, that isn't the way to do it. And that isn't how the pros do it. And that isn't how, actually, anybody plays. If you watch kids playing, they don't play like that. They might get competitive things that happen in sport and in, in their play. But they don't treat every bit of play as though it's a competitive sport and they've got to load it up and put it you know out on Strava etc etc I mean it's a good I think it's a good question for James because there's quite a lot of times when people don't have the perfect winter some people this winter it's been it's been perfect and we've been lucky but we've had somebody this year that looks back on 2018 and says oh my god that was such a hard year that was such hard races some of them had to be cancelled this year's just great that things fell into play and it was never about incorrect training it was stress in life it was health and it was just you know what the world isn't built for us to just do our endurance sports it's it doesn't have the same every year as every well, year yeah it? can't do the same old thing um there was something about iron man fatigue which is going to be one of the questions and it actually shows somebody's testosterone and i'll publish that particular graph they've said i can and it was a, a nine-month example of, of dragging somebody back up towards the um towards the kind of much better level of is their testosterone level and it's it's kind of one of those things where you know you mentioned somebody said oh doping 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 but somebody then asked the right question a guy called greg hilton and he said 
What did that person do to lower the reading so much, assuming that the low, the low T value is bad? And yes, it is. And secondly, how did they slash you test for those readings? Okay, so what did they do to get their T levels so low? They just trained too much. They trained too hard. They were, you know, they were throwing in training that they thought always had to be difficult. And meanwhile, their body was constantly getting tired. They were constantly in a mood with people. They were, they were the classic overtrained amateur athlete. How did they test it? This particular person um, went to fourth edge. How did they change it? Which is what most people want to know. Well, if I get a bit like uh, Richard earlier on, how do you change things? Most of the time, it does come down to this whole thing about just look after your body. You know, if the, if the doctor says something's bad, well, then it really is bad. But most of the time, you know, your 13s or your T values below 10. I mean, he did get a referral for that because when you go below 10, it is starting to get a little bit, you know, depends on the, the doctor, but it is starting to say, yeah, that is a bit low. So if you, if you do the right things, you just nurture your body, sleep calories don't starve your body because the calories starvation will, will drop your testosterone um you also notice that they just people that are on top of it exude a level of health and performance they look well they're happy they're on top of it people that look absolutely miserable they're trying to be the next um you know strava king or queen they're just head up their own backside and, and, it, and, it, and it fuels the next overtraining, under eating, hurting yourself thing. And there's loads of people that are in that situation and it's horrible because they're stuck in something they can't get out of and they're the ones that need the most to say, blimey, I need a coach or somebody just to tell me what the hell I'm doing with my body because it's not happening. But would you say with that particular type of person, because they've had some relatively good results or they've had good results because this, because of this circle that they've got into do you think sometimes they're scared to then go back and have the bad results to be able to reset restructure and then come back through and before you know it get mm. better results mm. do you think that type of mentality bad, of that bad, bad results are already happening or the good results are getting so hard to reproduce yes. yeah. they then start blaming you know oh, i couldn't do such and such because you know i got a flat question mark or you know or the one enough aid stations or whatever you know they start looking at the performance as though it's things that are outside of their control that are affecting what they're doing instead of the fact that even going into the event be it benchmarks be it their training be it just their overall health they just you know they they look wretched but it's also how, how you, you wretched you, yeah but you spot <laughs> it yeah, no wretched but you, you know you spot it on the you know the facebook posts are far too serious about their you know their sessions and about the you know the real you know enormity of what everyone should realize is a very you know serious situation that seven other billion people couldn't give a monkeys about and they they start to take their performance so seriously because it's almost like they're stuck in that this is no longer a hobby no 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 this is serious this is like a second job and and i'm i'm going to be a really good athlete but if you are it's going to happen anyway and if you're not you're really going to spoil your chances of being able to do this for very long and you could well sorry to say this but you could affect a lot of people around you quite significantly by being selfish racing is selfish let's put that out there yeah. racing oh, is yeah, selfish yeah, yeah. you could you could stop doing you know iron man and other things and say i don't need to race staying fit 
staying well, doing your resistance training, eating well, being like a really rounded person that includes exercise when you might not have that in your lifestyle because you can't ride to work and it's not natural for you to do much movement. Actually, for a lot of people, training is just a way of surviving the 21st century. It's a good way of stress reduction, weight management, having time alone, um, just doing stuff that keeps you better as a human being but it don't have to be you take that to a level of performance most people wouldn't give a monkeys whether you've done an Ironman a hundred mile time trial a marathon or whatever and sometimes people see the kudos of what they do as being really important but it's only important for a tiny little circle of people that relate to it which is which is what I say to my athletes you know when you do your Ironman get to that finish line as much as you possibly can do anything about it on the day get to that finishing line because nobody in the right mind, certainly the you know their work colleagues are not going to say, "Oh, what were your splits and what was your age group <laughs> yeah, level?" And stuff yeah. like that. Most people are going to go, "You did what? You did, you what for in the same day? Yeah. Oh my god, you did you did that swim, then you did that bike, and then you did a marathon on the same day? Oh, I thought you did that over like three weekends, you know." Yeah. So put that into perspective. Whereas if somebody's starting to compare people around them based on their Ironman split, it's like jog on. Sorry, there's a lot more important things in this world to be put in your time and effort and people that haven't got, you know, quite so much uh, possibilities in life to think that you start categorizing people in their Ironman level. I want people to self-actualize for them to encourage their their growth as a person, not to see, uh, you know, to, to see that we put them into a pecking order. Somebody that does their first ever, let's say, serious sportif or does their first, you know, their first sprint try where they really feel like they did so well at it is as important, if not more important, than the person that spent five years trying to get their Ironman under 12 hours. Because it's the balance of it, you know? It's the, we can't do this at all costs because you're not, you know, team... Ineos or a professional runner or somebody that plays for Man United this isn't your career and therefore we have to turn every stone over to see what we can do to help your performance this is your playtime and I think that's what we've got to always remember is that that's why 80-20 works is most of the time you should be enjoying what you're doing it can be frustrating if you've not quite got your technique on the rollers or you're, you're really being told you need to get your left arm catch proper and you still can't do it I mean there's, there's frustrations in trying to get the sports done right but there shouldn't be frustrations in the fact there's somebody a bit quicker or there's somebody that's done more half marathons or whatever it's like yeah don't worry about that you've got to use sport to be happy with you and I think if you do the funny thing about zone one training is that it does I'll tell you a secret it does reduce injuries it also does make people enjoy it and it also does actually help people in their their health metrics that they have in life in general well, so it does so many positives well that was in Wales an article I read in Wales that, that they're now for uh, depression and, and mental some of the mental illnesses as well they're they're prescribing cycling yeah going out and just being outdoors just going out and being active on a yeah. bike yeah. if not on a bike then doing running I don't really like running you know and you're like well just be outdoors which is why be- which is why also we've got the merge you know the, the em, not emergence but the merging in of therefore of e-bikes of people that don't need to be overly fit to still be able to ride around yeah. do more set their horizons bigger not everyone has to be able to say oh I got on a bike and I rode 80 miles to my granny's or whatever that's like that's, that's the stuff of people that have been so into fitness they don't realise how fit and healthy they are what's important is getting more people to see that they can do stuff and I'm not going to say every London Marathon does that or every time somebody you know, sees, I don't know, Ironman Wales or something that it necessarily encourages people. But the more people now that are in the broader base of the 
what I'd call endurance population. There's many people that always were stood on the side and now they're actually doing actually it. Actually doing it, yeah. And well that done. means we've got a broader base, we've got a different shape and age group and structure of people doing it, which is great. So Ironman isn't step two backs, oh my God, you've done what? Ironman is now, oh yeah, I know somebody at work that's done one of them because that's it. It's, a, it's very doable. And it doesn't mean, you, you know, you, you stack people into, oh, have they broken 10 hours or not? Or, or have, yeah, they, been, exactly, have they been yeah, to Kona yeah. or not? Or, or did, they, did they do five in a year or not? I mean, there's not, a, there's not a pecking order that you then start taking subdivisions as to what you think is useful. Most people on this planet don't, shouldn't, and wouldn't be able to do an Ironman. And to be honest, they probably hopefully do a lot more, um, what would you say, kind of worthwhile things towards the bigger picture of the sort of, you know, human planet than just whether they can do an iron man but if you get it right some people can do it some people run 5ks some people like the mountain biking some people do ultras and it's it's blending the right people into the right things and not thinking it's about trying to find out who's best it's actually about um it's actually about um enjoying it and being positive somebody once said do you know what your training's really worked why is that he said because my dad wants to do some of it now and this person subsequently went on to do, um, I think, you know, to do a triathlon and their dad did a triathlon with them on the same day. It's like, brilliant. Do you know what? That, that's a really feel-good factor because that beats the ones where somebody says, oh, but I want to be this quick to do this, this and this. And you're like, just, yeah, okay, you might be. Let's see what we can do about it. But don't think that's going to change the world. There'll be so many non-events within your performances that won't even register with people. So, yeah. Enjoy it, and, and I think it's a good, it's a good, um, it's a good thing, James, to just get back in there and do it because you don't have to think, oh, I've got to get back up to the level. No, you don't. You might do it, but you'll enjoy it, and your kids, as they grow up, if they see you just being active, it'll be great. They won't say, "Well, did you podium or not, Dad?" You know, they, they, funnily enough, you know, oh, I'm just going to do a time trial. Well, I hope you win, Dad. It's like, yeah, okay, yeah, we'll see. You know, we'll see. Yeah, only come back once and said the yes. Otherwise, you just say no, don't you? you and, then, and then they went. Really? Really? <laughs> really, Dad? Yeah, yeah. But I, I, I think kind of people, like you said, we, we, we do lose, in this day and age, it is so easy to lose focus on, on, on what is important. What is important for one person? What is might important? Not, might not what be for important? another, you are right. But, you know, at the end of the day, we're, we're all very, very lucky that we can do sports and we're fit and active. Um, yeah. And some of us are good at it, some of us enjoy it, and some of us... Uh, self-confessed aren't good at it but enjoy it so much that every time they go out it feels like they've won life you didn't have this question or i don't think you did i might have told you it this was from uh, dan cave i know dan i probably work with dan blimey you probably so you have. Tra- no i have but I, I said probably 10 years ago i reckon might be more um and we would just you know, it's the beauty of Facebook is how you catch up with people that you'd have never cross paths again. I think it's great in that respect. It's really nice to sort of, you know, contact people. And it's a great question. If you had a hundred pounds to spend on drinking bike- chocolate. <laughs> Sorry. Drinking chocolate, yeah. To spend on bike kit or nutrition, what would be the best thing to get? Ooh. First answer, Martin. Hundred pounds. Hundred pounds. Yeah, don't don't make too much sort I of empty air. I think I would have. I would buy very cheap party. <laughs> I was going to say a hundred pounds now, kind of hundred pounds. I think I would buy some form of equipment okay. for the bike. That would be 
Yeah, because he says, you know, to spend on, on bike kit. So he's, I'm assuming it's keeping it to the bike only. And yeah. Dan, I think it's mostly bike only. You would buy something for the bike? Yes. I'm going to drill you harder and say what? Fortunate turn of phrase. I would... I would go tyres. Now. Ooh. Yeah, see? Then this gets straight onto the... Ooh. <laughs> Someone brought it up. You have yourself to you blame. You eat it up in the air and I'll bash yeah. it in. I would, I would go for tyres. I know in this day and age that... Yeah. They probably would sneak over a hundred pounds, but I would go with tyres. Okay. And what would if it was on the bike? What would I get? Um, yeah, again, I would probably get something on um, on what I call sort of running gear, i.e., something that is either wearing out or makes a difference. And it would be something like. You know, new lovely soft bar tape because your other stuff is already started to fall apart. Something that makes you feel good, even if you have a change of colour. Oh, I've got new bar tape. Oh, I got whatever. Um, but we're all very different. In some people, they buy some crazy socks that cost them like thirty quid. I'm like, what? What? Just because they're that colour and they're, they're that? You know? Okay, Aero. I would say for a lot of things, I would think Aero. But it depends on what you're trying to get out of it. But the practical side of me says something like, you know, some some good lube, maybe spare tyre, maybe a spare inner tube, something that then I can keep. I can keep riding my bike, right? The other part of me says, ooh, something that like, <laughs> ooh, something that sort of not motivates you but makes you feel. Good and a hundred quid would be something like, you know, um, I don't know, some something, you know, some some aero socks, like like you know the the sort of overshoes or I don't know. I, w- I would I would I partly you- no partly partly say that nutrition might be my answer because. You can make some differences by sort of saying, "Oh, I just, I just need to get some, you know, some energy drink because I'm using, I'm using orange squash at the moment out of the, out of the, you know, out of the house, and it's just doesn't seem to give me the energy. It um, doesn't uh, doesn't hit the mark. So I suppose every time we ask this question, you come up with a different answer. But I do, I do like the idea that you sometimes need to sort of treat yourself a little bit. Never believing it's going to make the difference between you and Sagan or you and, you and uh, you know, getting to Kona or World Championships for your mountain biking or whatever. I do, I do think it's just sometimes nice to think if you spend it on your bike and you really like your bike. I mean, the other day I brought some polish. I mean, when did I last buy polish for my bike? I don't know. I don't know, no. I don't think you ever have. <laughs> I think <in laughs> I keep t- coming in there, I just borrow it, that's yeah. why. In a typical way, we've probably overanalyzed this massively. <laughs> so what, what you could do is divide that down in the middle of the 100 quid and go, right, what would be the two things that you would buy to make a difference to performance and yeah. what you would buy to probably make you feel better? Yeah. What could I, what could I spend £100 on? I'd, I'd give you 50 to shut up. Yeah, that's it, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Be like the. It, you'd, no, I'm not, I know what I would like to spend a hundred pounds on. It would be. But it's kind of like um, you a would, good slap-up meal. Yeah, well that's the thing as well, isn't it? Fish and isn't chips. It? Yeah. At the end of it, you've got to leave enough for fish and chips. Well, that's that's the boomerang effect, though, isn't it? Uh, you know, you have fish and yeah, chips, yeah, and then yeah. you've got to go back the out on the bike. Effect. Yeah. Yeah. So. Okay, yeah. but good question, Dan. I like that question. Good question. I like Sorry that. Sorry, we massively um, overanalyzed. And this it. is the last one. This is from. Um, Neil Poulton, Poulton, I always get his name wrong, Poulton, uh, and for, what do they call it, for, not for openness, but for um, clarity, he is a client of mine, 
he's been doing really well this year. It's been a been a, a pleasure when somebody's years and there's quite a few of them starts really hitting boxes and ticking boxes is great when they say oh my lord i can't believe how much this is like improved upon what i tried to do last year on my own anyway he said having done one winter of good intent of good intensity discipline i can now ride in mid zone one with watts that would have previously been in mid high zone two so going into my second winter with the same discipline mindset is there an added benefit to the fact that my zone one rides will be higher watts Martin, you first. Can I have the question again? Yeah. He basically says, if his watts have gone up in zone one during this year, which he's taking it from winter through to now, is there an added benefit to the fact that the zone one rides um, will be at a higher wattage? And my question would actually be, they wouldn't be at a higher wattage. What you just notice is that you've corrected that sort of anaerobic, um, what would you call it? Anaerobic, like... Um, discrepancy? Discrepancy, deficit, I don't know. Um, now, you've just properly got the heart rate to work rate relationship. And it might be a little bit higher, but I think what you've got to watch, as we've talked about power meters before, is what you've got to watch is that you don't get used to sort of pushing on base work now, thinking, ooh, I can do quite high watches and stay in zone one because then you just get very tired muscles and in effect the same target is to stay in zone one you probably will find it and I know you will you find it easier going into this winter because he gets it he's got good results therefore he doesn't need to try and think oh watch me now I've really got to push it hard so he'll actually use the first part of winter to sort of relax and chill and as your form does decrease because people it does from you know October to December you're going into midwinter as that decreases you're not fighting it and you're not doing the same you know like hilly uh, routes that are just smashing you in winter and in the summer you couldn't believe how aerobically fit you were so I don't think you're going to get a difference in that heart rate to work rate all you're getting now is the realisation that you don't have to be thinking too much about how do I stay in zone what ends up being your as I said to you earlier I reckon up to 55% you'll stay in zone 1 sometimes people can be up to 60% but when you get to midwinter, even getting to 50% of max, you'll start to go into potentially zone two, maybe just about scrape the top of zone one. And, and 40% for a lot of people is enough stimulation to firstly be good training anyway. So take the 300 watt peak power person. If you take 40% of that, then yeah, that's only 120 watts. People are like, only 120 watts for, for training. It's like, well, look, you aren't meant to be pushing stuff all year round. I'm not saying you race 120 watts. I'm just saying for that person, at that point in the winter when you're really quite tired and you don't want to do a hard session, that's fine. You can sit the 120 watts. If you were sitting down on your backside watching Corrie or whatever yeah. you want to do, you would be using precisely 15 to 20 watts. So if you get up to 120 watts, you are using at least six and probably near to eight times the oxygen. So you are training, but you're not forcing yourself to go, yeah, 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 but I've got, got, got to do at least 60% of power, so I've got to do at least 180 watts. Sometimes you sit there 
Um, and the numbers you know you've done before just feel like they're so hard work. And it's either you're very tired, you're on the verge of illness, you are just not in the mood to train and therefore you should stop. And what, we, what we've got to be really careful of is that this heart rate to work rate thing doesn't just keep going up. That's what I was going to say. You know, eventually you know that if you were to look at a heart rate and you were in a base period, you go, I reckon my wattage right now is X. And then you get onto a bike, do it indoors or do it outside and do have a power meter. And it is that number. There's no surprises, you know. And, and that was the other thing is that that's not an infinite scale, is it? It doesn't no. keep going up. No, because your max power doesn't keep going that's up. That's it, yeah, yeah, So, like I said, if somebody's really fit, we can get them. And I think, I can't remember what Neil's recent recent thing was, but I know he did a, he did a particular... Oh, his thing, oh, his thing. <clears throat> he did a particular ramp test. There you go. Sorry, it's ramp test. <laughs> and the last work road was still in zone one. He's like, blimey, that's still in zone one. Wow. And partly that's, you know, when you're indoors, partly that's because the bike's being held up, so there's no balance involved. Okay, that helps. Um, you don't get good at cheating the test. You just get very good at seeing your absorbing data. If I don't see somebody's ramp tests or running on a treadmill or in some way we don't see a standardized test improving then what we've been doing since january to get to this point it hasn't improved it should have improved if you're not fitter now then sorry uh what's training been all about and the beauty of that is that he's doing that test and saying well that's easy but now the work i do and stay in zone one is even higher but I'm not having to keep pushing myself. Whereas if he did an FTP, he would have to be um, pushing himself. Oh, can I squeeze out more? No, we've left that for the TTs. And the bottom line with this one, I got a great text. I was out riding and I was off the road. I was on a cycle track, nowhere near traffic. So just so people say, text comes into the back pocket. Take no, it out. On. Have a look. <laughs> no, I did have a on. <laughs> no, I was joking. Um, Take it out of the back pocket. And he was like, yeah, 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 I can't remember what it said. Words to the effect of, oh, you know, when we first started talking, I had all these goals and it was this championship and this, this and this. And, and up to last weekend, I only had two left and it was, you know, a 50 mile TTPB and, and break 20 minutes. And he said, I've only got a break. 50 I've only, miles? No, no. He said, I've only got to break the 50 now. And I was like, I don't understand. But, and then he sent me the next one. It said 1957. Oh, and wow. I was just like, Wow. He was over 21s when we started, right? Yeah. But it's this thing, of somebody's on a roll, listening to the coach, coach listening to the athlete, and just diligently chipping away at stuff. And when things go wrong, you don't keep carrying on doing the same stuff. You go, right, what should we do? Right, right, just rest. It'll be fine. You're tired. Wait for it to come back again. Not like, no, 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 I always do a Thursday night ride. I've got to do it. Come what may, you know. And that's, that's what I think a lot of people that are self-coached, that's what they've got to do as a self-coach. They've got to do what I do as a coach, which is sometimes intervene and say, stop being stupid. Give yourself rest. If you do a tiny bit of training, it'll make a difference. If you do loads of training, it isn't going to make the biggest difference if you do loads of training and it doesn't stick. I'm always looking at that phrase absorption and what he can see from his ramp test. And now what he's getting sort of excited about is, whoa. I can stay in zone one on this wattage. What happens? Well, firstly, we go into winter and you'll lose 25 to 30 watts at all of those points. Mm. Now the 275 isn't in zone one. That's now mid zone two. So everything backs off. And that's the big difference between summer and winter. And I think also you mentioned that you struck on that as well is, is the relationship between, between coach and athlete and athlete and coach. You know, it's a team thing. It's not yeah. you standing there going, nope, do this, this, this and this. And then when it, 
goes right or it goes wrong. You hey, everybody high fives, and that's it. Or it goes wrong. Mm, right, okay, yeah. No, you need, you didn't do it. You didn't do it properly. Mm. At least you kind of go back as a team and go right. What about this, this, and this? Was it was it this? Do you think was it that? And then you can yeah. only get the information back from you know from the athlete that you can both then go right. Maybe we do this, this, and this, and, yeah. then, and, and then ring the changes. You know, you can't go back and do something so drastic that you flip it on its head and go, nope, no, we're going to do no. it the other way around. Yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we're going to do all your hard stuff in the winter and then we do easy stuff in the summer and see how we get on. Yeah. So, and also, his season, if we'd have looked in November and said, what, what are you going to do this year? And even if you hit the goals, uh, there were several goals that changed because of some of the stuff that he does with um, visually impaired athletes. It, it, it's changed. It's actually changed quite dramatically. But the sort of the gist of what you're trying to do still is there, even though somebody's changed exactly what events they might be doing and when. It's never to sort of panic, but it's to believe that even now, people that, you know, I had somebody the other day, oh, I've done most of my goals, well, oh, I'm thinking about next year now and what I've got to do. Well, some of them have got to enter their Ironman now because it won't be around in six months to enter. They've got to do it now. But, you know, they're even thinking about next year. And I think you've got to really be thinking that, well, the best laid plans are this. And okay, they might come off, but so many times they change. And because they change, that person has to be able to change, change in their head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People doing, you know, people doing uh, Ironman Nice, you know, they lopped distance off the bike, they lopped distance off the run. No, it wasn't in the pure sense of the word, the full distance of the Ironman. But people that did it, it was just as hard as any Ironman they'd done. And why did they do it? Not to make it easier, but because of horrendous um, sort of environmental conditions. They didn't do that at, um, I think it's Frankfurt, I'm... Um, losing the amount of races there are. I think it's Frankfurt. Didn't do it at Frankfurt. There's something like a thousand people drop out of the race. So, you know, it was probably better at Nice to be shortened and more people did it. The purists might say, no, leave it as it is, and then people have got to survive it. Whichever way round, people's plans do not stay solid. And and the good thing about Neil is that we've we've tweaked them as we've gone along. And if they've changed, that's it. That's changed. That's, that's, you know, we can't, oh, if only, oh, this day I should have been doing such and such. If I, if it were keeping to my plans last year, like, we don't know. If it can come off even 80% right, that's a really good hit. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, and it might completely turn upside down because of, you know, uh, um, I don't know, an accident, a change of, uh, change of career, even, you know, sometimes people just change what continent they're on. I mean, you know, it's, it's the one constant is change. And athletes that do well don't say, no, 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 but Tuesday nights I've got to do this. No, you you like to do that. It's a good habit. We've set up habits, but you can't always do that. And the the best people in sport adapt by moving their plans with what's going on around them. And then they enjoy it because they're not fighting something that just, yeah, I've got to do that. It's not happening, is it? No, but I've got to do it. it. It's still not happening, is it? No. So let's agree it's not happening. What are we going to do instead? Yeah. You know, and then they're a lot happier that, oh yeah, that wasn't working, was it? No, it wasn't. And the emphasis on the word adaption as well, it's everywhere pretty much, isn't it? So you personally, you know, maybe training plans, uh, maybe, you know, you adapting to the training, etc., etc. So you know, yeah. adaption is probably yeah. a better word for people to keep in mind than anything yeah. else because that word applies to every aspect. Oh, it much. does, yeah, yeah. As a coach, some people you know we use certain structures; other people can't do it, and so I have to work it out for them. So they don't all get the same um, diary format. They don't always have the same interaction. You've got to work with them and how how they're going to best 
absorb it. There are a few that sort of, you know, think they know better and I'll say hand on heart they don't and maybe we, you know, agree to disagree. But as a coach and athlete, you've got to agree that we both understand that each person's input is vital, but one's doing it as a job and one's doing it as a hobby. I read, <laughs> you know? I read an article from a Tour de France, ex-Tour de France rider who right. is now a coach. Okay. Um, and he was calling them uh, cut and paste coaches. Yeah. And he said, you know, what one training plan doesn't, you know, might work for one athlete, you cannot apply to probably nine other athletes and get the same results, which you won't. We're all different, you yeah. know, et cetera, et cetera. He said, but, you know, the, the, the sudden rise in these cut and paste um, coaches now, he said, that, that seem to think that they can apply the same structure, the yeah. same um, training stresses, et cetera, et cetera, to an individual athlete all the time. Yeah. And then kind of, the whole thing falls down, you know, your, your response from an athlete as a coach is never always going to be 90, 100% positive. You know, you're going to mm. get, oh yeah, but this didn't work well mm. and that didn't mm. work well. Okay, we've, ch- we, we've tried it. Yeah. So that's not working. We will change that. We will Shift change that. happens. Yes. Well, you I know, like that. I like yeah. That. Um, so, and he was saying about this, he said the, the, the amount of people that leave a sport whether it be triathlon slash ironman um cycling running swimming because of the fact that they've got a coach that is a cut and paste coach in inverted commas and all right you always you will always see gains from people that have got unstructured not lifestyles that sounds really bad but unstructured training schedules Mm. you know and i know you've got to change as well because you know life like you said life is a constant change but for these these coaches they just kind of get to a point where you know their their athletes just walk away from the sport you say yeah. oh yeah it's not working for me yeah. uh, I'm going to have some time off thanks and, okay. yeah. and, and I think what's quite a nice reflection on it's certainly me knowing maybe a few of your clients and your returning clients is you know 90% of them have come back and just gone oh yeah Joe can you give us a hand with this you know I want to do Ironman so and so we did a really good job five years ago we did mm. a really good job like ten years ago um, do you think you, you know we'll be able to do something there that's probably a better reflection on, on being a coach that can adapt well I heard it the other day when somebody said don't phone me up ever again no no that wasn't me they said I was given the same training in the winter as I was in the summer. Oh, nice. And I said, well, that's, no, first it's completely wrong because, you know, you're a different individual in winter and summer. Physiologically, you're about 10% worse off in the winter. But there's certain things that make sense and are more perhaps indoor-based and they're more around you thinking about your skill and keeping yourself well. And, you know, and this, this person was broken that was the same scenario as i'm in the swim and i really can't be bothered to be here Mm. so yeah we have to adapt and and i think that's important is that you know the person was coached by somebody that you'd say looking from the outside you might say they're a triathlon coach but that's that's a bit too easy to say anyone can point you in the direction of well i think i know which way you're going but it is that adaption to the individual some people respond differently. Some people have got a lot more control over the, the time and what they do. Some people are a bit hit and miss, and that's just them. You know, you can't, you can't, you know, um, chastise people for being, like, not quite as on it as somebody else that is. That's just their individual makeup. They want you to help them. They don't want you to tell them, oh, you haven't really got what it is because, you, you know, you're meant to do, you know, seven sessions, you only did four. It's always trying to see that the, you know, the athlete's, 
uh, almost like the athlete's longevity is something that you want to really look after because you, you are bound to go through the ups and downs. And it's not that you always are on the up. Sometimes you'll be on a down and you've got to work your way out of it and be able to encourage them and to be able to see that, you know, from, from the peak, there's only one direction an athlete at a peak is ever going to go, and I know it, and we have to coax them back down off the top because they're not going to be at the peak and you have to build them back up again. But when they're at the bottom, at the low ebb, it's like, yeah, but, you know, you, you can get back from this point, but it's not just going to be plain sailing, but actually your body will uh, respond to stuff, but what you can't do is just throw the same thing at them as somebody else or at them as what you did the same time last year there's certain similarities you see it in different people's training programs so yeah that makes sense that makes sense but anyone can throw that at somebody at the wrong time it's whether you throw the right things at the person at the right time and can most importantly work out what things they kind of feel are doing them good but also that you can explain why it is they shouldn't be doing certain stuff at certain times. If you don't understand the physiology of the background effect, you could quite easily give people the wrong sessions. Four months later, that could be the perfect training program for that person in that week or in yeah. that month. Absolutely. But at the time you give it to them, it's either ahead of schedule, it's not in, 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 uh, in sync with their health. Um, it could even be that actually it's not even taking into account the fact that they've had this layoff through different reasons. Maybe that's they've not told you, or maybe that's because it always keeps coming back. You think that's not working for them. Right. They need to do more deep water running. They can't do as much running as somebody else. And the fact they do more of something different, but it works for them is fine. If they don't go outdoors and run as much, but they get to the start line and they get to the finish line, it doesn't matter. Yeah. It's their individual yeah. thing. And that's, you know, that's, that's coaching. Coaching is adapting to information you get. It's certainly being, being confident you're making the best guess at that person's sort of helpful advice. And yes, there will be similarities across different people. But you talk to some people, and their long ride this weekend has, has just been a chat to a guy earlier. You know, it's been a you know five-hour ride. Some people, their long ride this weekend will be two point five hours, and they won't go beyond that. And they don't need to go beyond that. I'm not trying to get them to the five hours. I'm trying to get them to what they can do, what they feel is their you know best kind of like achievement oh i've never got to 2.5 hours at this part of the year i feel so much healthier blah 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 so yeah it can't be cut and paste because not even the same person could you cut and paste what they did last year and get it right sometimes there'd be certain things it's like yep that's what we need to do other times it's like actually we're on a different point here you're not doing that we've had this this or this we need to do something different um, we've rattled on a bit, but we have had a lot of questions. Yeah, well, we'd, we'd, like I said, we're, we're probably two or three weeks behind schedule of what we would normally. Yeah, but that's just you know. Again, with... again, we've got to adapt, and you know, I am never, and you're never going to say it either. We never say we're going to do this every week. You couldn't do it, and I think the whole point of content is that when when people say, "Oh, I listen to podcasts, really like it." Um, that's what you want. You want it to be something that I've really been, you know, lining up the questions, really been thinking about, you know, the the process of this. And the very fact we're talking about, you know, the London Marathon was to do with the last thing. It's really, um, it's really kind of like, um, yeah, it's it's really nice to be sort of motivated to do it. If we did it every week, we'd be just like going, right? <laughs> Only saw <coughs> yeah, you last week. Oh, crikey, yeah. Um, so we do appreciate every question and every review and every rating at iTunes. It really is. It's good because it's it's impossible for us to know how many people are sort of seeing this and how many people are um they won't see it uh, hear it rather and how many people well just how many people 
it, it does something to change or to put their mind at rest or to answer their question that they've sent in or to answer a question that they've sort of had but you know if you want to send in anonymous ones don't worry we'll always do anonymous ones most people just say oh yeah i'm quite happy for my name to be in there i always ask because i can't assume they want to so if you want to get your questions in for the august podcast which will be number 170 click the contact page at jbst.com or you can tweet at Southport Racing. You can tweet at Coach Joe Beer. You can look on Instagram. What's your Insta? I have no idea. What the Southport Insta? Is, oh, my yeah, Insta. Just, all of my my Insta, my Twitter, my Facebook, my YouTube is all at Coach Joe Beer. It just makes it simple. So between now and then, uh, yeah, check the check the Twitter feed. We put Instagram pictures up. We'll put up the things we've spoken about tonight about the ramp tests. There's a few articles that have uh, either been recycled or come out, and I'll pop those out on the Twitter feed. So keep watching the Twitter. Something's going out on Twitter. Something's going out on Facebook. Something's going out on Instagram. Some of it goes out on all of it. Um, a massive thank you, because if you didn't download this, we wouldn't get the feedback. We wouldn't get the sense that we're actually, um, hopefully, not just talking to one person. At least two of you. <laughs> at least, at least two of you. you. <laughs> at least two of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I never, I've never listened to this. I never listened to what we do. I, I never found that to be useful because now we've said it it's like we've said it <laughs> do you know what I mean can I go oh I need to retract the yeah, statement last year I, I think like I write and that is I will stand by what I do because I don't just open my mouth or type something in on a computer without knowing that what I say I can back up and I believe in and I think sometimes people say things just to be a bit sort of you know controversial or they're just like pick up on something and not really know I'd rather say I don't know I mean there's stuff on blood metrics that somebody sent me like I don't know all about that but the ones that I know about they're fine but if you want a full rundown I know somebody can do it yeah, yeah. you've got to know your limits you know um, and they're quite limited with me I know certain things but don't know all of it but I think it's quite nice to get the feedback from people even if it's just like the podcast great questions um who's the guy who's the funny one i don't know that's up to you uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was just like, like going what what is he going on about so yeah so pass the podcast on to others get uh, yeah get get your questions in um I've dodged the tyre theme today quite massively. I tried to bring that up as well. Did you see that? Yeah, yeah. See, I, know. I, see, I was just yeah. baiting you there. Yes, absolutely. So, anyone you train with, anyone to race with, you know, I, I think the podcast, if you go back in the back catalogue, which is what people often say, oh, I'm working through the back catalogue, I like it. There's not much different that'll be totally upside down and inside out. It'll, it'll be relevant. It might be a slightly different time of year. The questions will always be at some point pertinent. And we do have people that listen who are in the Southern Hemisphere. This goes all over the planet. So, there'll be people that are listening to stuff now and they're coming you know out of winter just about to go into their season in a, you know in a few months time and we're getting to sort of past mid season just about going into winter in like three four months time uh, not that we're thinking about that right now no, ever so the the bottom line the last bit that we uh, that we always say is you you had to line up your <laughs> thing you couldn't no 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 not at all. I, I can all you've got to say is and have that's what well, yeah, that, I thought I was doing the first bit. Oh, were you? Oh, yeah. let's do that then. Let's, let's make a change then. They won't notice that we've totally fudged this bit either. So, train smart and have fun. Boom. Boom.
think that worked? I think we got away with it. Do you? I think those percentages are totally made up. <laughs> top, top of my head stuff. Top, fag top, packet stuff. Top, top of my head. I did that on the back of your fag Serviette. packet. You know? Serviette. You know? Can you write on fag packets now? There's not enough space, is there? And before, before you... Oh, did you stop it? No, yeah. Oh, I was going to say, I'm, I'm a massive thank you to Henry, but he might hear this bit. So if he hears this, we might have it chopped out because he might get embarrassed or he might leave it in. But thanks, Henry. Thanks, Henry. Do 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 Boomerang. Oh, don't carry on, because if he leaves this in, this will be embarrassing. I'm just gonna I'm gonna shut up now.